O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom for ever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Saturday, April 17th. Shabbat Shalom. Journey with me through the entire Bible in one year, focusing on the biblical calendar, the Sabbath, the feasts, and the Torah reading cycle. We have many voices, interpretations, and points of view out there, but there is nothing like listening to the crystal-clean, pure Word of God in your life. It is living water for our spirit. As it is written in Romans 10, verse 17, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. When we listen to the spoken Word of God, it is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hebrews 4.12 The Word of God is alive, it is powerful, and it renews our mind and builds up our spirit. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Isaiah 55:11. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the Brit Hadashah. Today we finish up the Torah portion, Tazria. And it means, she conceives. Leviticus 15, 1-33 Hashem spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Speak to B'nai Israel, and say to them, When any man has a discharge issuing from his member, he is unclean. The uncleanness from his discharge shall mean the following. Whether his member runs with the discharge or is stopped up so that there is no discharge, his uncleanness means this. Any bedding on which the one with the discharge lies shall be unclean, and every object on which he sits shall be unclean. Anyone who touches his bedding shall wash his clothes, bathe in water, and remain unclean until evening. Whoever sits on an object on which the one with the discharge has sat shall wash his clothes, bathe in water, and remain unclean until evening. Whoever touches the body of the one with the discharge shall wash his clothes, bathe in water, and remain unclean until evening. If one with a discharge spits on one who is clean, The latter shall wash his clothes, bathe in water, and remain unclean until evening. Any means for writing that one with the discharge has mounted 
shall be unclean. Whoever touches anything that was under him shall be unclean until evening. And whoever carries such things shall wash his clothes, bathe in water, and remain unclean until evening. If one with a discharge, without having rinsed his hands in water, touches another person, that person shall wash his clothes, bathe in water, and remain unclean until evening. An earthen vessel, that one with the discharge touches, shall be broken, and any wooden implement shall be rinsed with water. When one with a discharge becomes clean of his discharge, he shall count off seven days for his cleansing, wash his clothes, and bathe his body in fresh water. Then he shall be clean. On the eighth day he shall take two turtle doves or two pigeons and come before Hashem at the entrance of the tent of meeting and give them to the Kohen. The Kohen shall offer them, the one as a sin offering, the other as a burnt offering. Thus the Kohen shall make expiation on his behalf for his discharge before Hashem. When a man has an emission of semen, he shall bathe his whole body in water and remain unclean until evening. All cloth or leather on which semen falls shall be washed in water and remain unclean until evening. And if a man has carnal relations with a woman, they shall bathe in water and remain unclean until evening. When a woman has a discharge, her discharge being blood from her body, she shall remain in her impurity seven days. Whoever touches her shall be unclean until evening. Anything that she lies on during her impurity shall be unclean, and anything that she sits on shall be unclean. Anyone who touches her bedding shall wash his clothes, bathe in water, and remain unclean until evening. And anyone who touches any object on which she has sat shall wash his clothes, bathe in water, and remain unclean until evening. Be it the bedding or be it the object on which she has sat, On touching it, he shall be unclean until evening. And if a man lies with her, her impurity is communicated to him. He shall be unclean seven days, and any bedding on which he lies shall become unclean. When a woman has had a discharge of blood for many days, not at the time of her impurity, or when she has a discharge beyond her period of impurity, she shall be unclean, as though at the time of her impurity, as long as her discharge lasts. Any bedding on which she lies while her discharge lasts shall be for her like bedding during her impurity, and any object on which she sits shall become unclean, as it does during her impurity. Whoever touches them shall be unclean. He shall wash his clothes, bathe in water, and remain unclean until evening. When she becomes clean of her discharge, she shall count off seven days, and after that she shall be clean. On the eighth day she shall take two turtle doves or two pigeons and bring them to the Kohen at the entrance of the tent of meeting. The Kohen shall offer the one as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering, and the Kohen shall make expiation on her behalf for her unclean discharge before Hashem. You shall put the Israelites on guard against their uncleanness, lest they die through their uncleanness, by defiling my Mishkan, which is among them.
Such is the ritual concerning him who has a discharge, concerning him who has an emission of semen and becomes unclean thereby, and concerning her who is in menstrual infirmity, and concerning anyone, male or female, who has a discharge, and concerning a man who lies with an unclean woman. Joshua 15 1 to 63. The portion that fell by lot to the various clans of the tribe of Judah lay farthest south, down to the border of Edom, which is the wilderness of Zin. Their southern boundary began from the tip of the Dead Sea, from the tongue that projects southward. It proceeded to the south of the ascent of Akrabim, passed on to Zin, ascended to the south of Kadesh Barnea, passed on to Hetron, ascended to Adar, and made a turn to Karka. From there it passed on to Asmon, and proceeded to the Wadi of Egypt. And the boundary ran on to the sea. That shall be your southern border. The boundary on the east was the Dead Sea up to the mouth of the Jordan. On the northern side, the boundary began at the tongue of the sea at the mouth of the Jordan. The boundary ascended to Beth Hogla and passed north of Beth Araba. Then the boundary ascended to the stone of Bohan, son of Reuben. The boundary ascended from the valley of Achor to Debir and turned north to Gilgal, facing the ascent of Adamim, which is south of the Wadi. From there the boundary continued to the waters of En-Shemesh, and ran on to En-Rogel. Then the boundary ascended into the valley of Ben-Hinnom, along the southern flank of the Jebusites, that is, Jerusalem. The boundary then ran up to the top of the hill which flanks the valley of Hinnom on the west, at the northern end of the valley of Rephaim. From that hilltop, the boundary curved to the fountain of the waters of Nephtoah and ran on to the towns of Mount Ephron. Then the boundary curved to Bela, that is, Kiriat Jerim. From Bela, the boundary turned westward to Mount Seir, passed north of the slope of Mount Jerim, that is, Cheshalon, descended to Beit Shemesh, and passed on to Timnah. The boundary then proceeded to the northern flank of Ekron, the boundary curved to Shikaron, passed on to Mount Bela, and proceeded to Jabneel, and the boundary ran on to the sea. And the western boundary was the edge of the Mediterranean Sea. Those were the boundaries of the various clans of the Judites on all sides. In accordance with Hashem's command to Joshua, Caleb, son of Jephunneh, was given a portion among the Judites, namely Kiriat Arba, that is, Hebron. Caleb dislodged from there the three Anakites, Sheshai, Ahiman, and Talmai, descendants of the Anak. From there he marched against the inhabitants of Debir. The name of Debir was formerly Kiriat Sefer, and Caleb announced, I will give my daughter Akshah in marriage to the man who attacks and captures Kiriat Sefer. His kinsman, Otniel, the Kenizzite, captured it, and Caleb gave him his daughter, Aksah, in marriage. When she came to him, she induced him to ask her father for some property, 
She dismounted from her donkey, and Caleb asked her, What is the matter? She replied, Give me a present, for you have given me away as Negev land, so give me springs of water. And he gave her upper and lower Guloth. This was the portion of the tribe of the Judites by their clans. The towns at the far end of the tribe of Yehudah, near the border of Edom in the Negev, were Kabzeel, Eder, Jager, Kina, Demona, Adada, Kedesh, Hazor, Ithnon, Ziph, Telem, Beloth, Hazor Hadath, Kiriath Hezron, that is Hazor, Amam, Shema, Molada, Hazargada, Heshman, Beth Pelet, Hazar Shual, Beersheva, Biziothea, Bala, Im, Ezem, Eltolad, Chesel, Horma, Ziglag, Madmana, Sansana, Labaoth, Shilhim, Aen, and Rimen. Total 29 towns with their villages. In the lowland, Eshtaol, Zora, Ashna, Zanoa, Engamon, Tapuak, Enam, Yarmut, Adulam, Sokah, Azika, Sharayim, Adetham, Gedera, and Gederathim, fourteen towns with their villages, Zenon, Hadasha, Migdal-Gad, Dilon, Mizpah, Jokthiel, Lachish, Bokoth, Eglon, Kaban, Lamas, Chithlish, Gederoth, Bethdagon, Nema, and Makeda, sixteen towns with their villages. Libna, Ether, Ashan, Iphtah, Ashna, Nazib, Kila, Akzib, and Maresha, nine towns with their villages. Ekron with its dependencies and villages. From Ekron westward, all the towns in the vicinity of Ashdod with their villages. Ashdod, its dependencies and its villages. Gaza, its dependencies and its villages, all the way to the Wadi of Egypt and the edge of the Mediterranean Sea. And in the hill country, Shamir, Jatir, Soko, Dana, Kiriathsana, that is Debir, Anab, Eshtemo, Anim, Goshen, Holon, and Gilo, eleven towns with their villages. Arab, Duma, Ishan, Janum, Bethtapua, Afika, Humta, Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, and Zior, nine towns with their villages. Maon, Carmel, Ziph, Juta, Yisrael, Jokdim, Zanoak, Cain, Giva, and Timnah, ten towns with their villages. Halhul, Beth Zur, Gidor, Marath, Beth Anath, and El Tikon, six towns with their villages. Kiriath Baal, that is Kiriat Jiram, and Rabbah, two towns with their villages. In the wilderness, Beth Arabah, Medin, Sikaka, Nishban, Irmela, and Ein Gedi, six towns with their villages. But the Judites could not dispossess the Jebusites, the inhabitants of Jerusalem. So the Judites dwelt with the Jebusites in Jerusalem to this day. Luke 
18, 18 to 43. And a certain ruler asked him, Yeshua, saying, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Yeshua said to him, Why do you call me good? None is good, save one, that is God. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother. And he said, All these have I kept from my youth up. Now when Yeshua heard these things, he said to him, You lack one thing, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. And when he heard this, he was very sorrowful, for he was very rich. And when Yeshua saw that he was very sorrowful, he said, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they that heard it said, Who then can be saved? And he said, The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Then Peter said, Lo, we have left all and followed you. And he said to them, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that has left house or parents or brethren or wife or children for the kingdom of God's sake, who shall not receive manifold more in this present time and in the world to come life everlasting. Then he took to him the twelve and said to them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered to the Gentiles, and shall be mocked, and spitefully entreated, and spitted on. And they shall scourge him and put him to death. And the third day he shall rise again. And they understood none of these things, and this saying was hidden from them, neither knew they the things which were spoken. And it came to pass that as he was come near to Jericho, a certain blind man sat by the wayside begging. And hearing the multitude pass by, he asked what it meant. And they told him that Yeshua of Nazareth passed by. And he cried, saying, Yeshua, son of David, have mercy on me. And they which went before rebuked him, that he should hold his peace. But he cried so much the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Yeshua stood and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he was come near, he asked him, saying, What would you that I should do for you? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Yeshua said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has saved you. And immediately he received his sight, and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise unto God. Psalm 86, 1-17 Bow down your ear, O Lord, hear me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my soul, for I am holy. O my God, save your servant that trusts in you. Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I cry unto you daily. Rejoice the soul of your servant, for unto you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive, and plenteous in mercy 
unto all them that call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, unto my prayer, and attend to the voice of my supplications. In the day of my trouble I will call upon you, for you will answer me. Among the gods there is none like unto you, O Lord. Neither are there any works like unto your works. All nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great, and you do wondrous things. You are God alone. Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify your name forevermore. For great is your mercy toward me, and you have delivered my soul from the lowest hell. O God, the proud are risen against me, and the assemblies of violent men have sought after my soul, and have not set you before them. But you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. O turn to me and have mercy upon me. Give your strength to your servant, and save the son of your handmaid. Show me a token for good, that they which hate me may see it and be ashamed, because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. Proverbs 13, 9-10 The light of the righteous rejoices, but the lamp of the wicked shall be put out. Only by pride comes contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. I'd like to speak to you today from Psalm 86. And this is a beautiful psalm, and it actually could be very well turned into a prayer that we can personalize as a prayer unto the Lord. What I so appreciate about David when he wrote the Psalms, not all of them, but a lot of them, is he's very transparent with the Lord and he bears his whole soul. He shares his emotions when he's depressed, when he's discouraged, when he's afraid, when he's angry. He shares the whole gamut of human emotions and brings them to the Lord. And there's an intimacy in these psalms because he's really sharing the deepest part of his heart with the Lord as a prayer. And basically, we get to listen in on the prayer life of David. We get to listen in on how he, what he had to say to the Lord when he would pray. And then, of course, the Lord would meet him. And so, actually, uh, I'll, I'll just share a tip with you. To deepen your prayer life, it's always good to have a set-apart place where you can go and a particular time, although that's flexible. But it's nice to have a place where you can shut the door and be uninterrupted, whether it's in the bathroom or in the car on the way to work or in your bedroom or in a prayer closet wherever it might be a place where you can shut the door and shut out the noise and the distractions of the world and then to have a prayer journal 
is really great. Um, you get an, just a normal spiral-bound notebook. And as you listen to the Word, as you read the Word, and then as you go into prayer time, um, a huge principle is this. Pray the Word of God as part of what you do when you pray. You can pray the Word of God. So when you do, you know that you're going to hit the mark bullseye because you are, um, you're right in the middle of His will when you pray the Word. So the other thing is, after you've written down uh, what's in your heart, what you want to bring to the Lord in prayer for the day, what is, is weighing upon you or is a concern or is a petition, or maybe you need to confess some kind of a sin and ask him to deliver you from it, um, or maybe you've just taken time to just praise him and to thank him and to love on him and worship him. When you're done pouring out your heart, be silent, be quiet, be still. Expect to hear from the Lord. He, it's a conversation. Prayer is a conversation. It's not just a one-way monologue. It's a two-way dialogue. So what I like to do when I use my prayer journal is when I'm done writing what's in my heart, I get quiet and I wait and I listen. And often the Lord has something he wants to say to me. And as I hear it, I write it down. And so it truly does become a dialogue. So now let's jump into Psalm 86. And this is basically a window view, a look in to the prayer life of David. And he's praying a prayer and he wrote it down. So written down prayer. And this is what he says. Verse 1, bow down your ear, O Lord, hear me, for I am poor and needy. Verse 3, be merciful to me, O Lord, for I cry unto you daily. So, I don't know what your situation is. Perhaps you're out of work. Perhaps your income has vastly been decreased. Perhaps you've had to move. Perhaps you're going through a divorce. Perhaps you have adult children who ignore you and don't talk to you, and this causes great pain to your heart. I don't know what it is you might be going through, but we all go through things in life that are hard and difficult and painful. All of us do. And so these verses, we can pray them as prayers right back to the Lord. Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I cry unto you daily. But then the psalmist goes on to remember the character of God, verses 5 and 6. For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy to all them that call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer and attend to the voice of my supplication. So he's remembering that the Lord is good and that he is forgiving, and he's full of mercy. So sometimes we go through trials or hardships because we screwed up, we blew it, we sinned, and then there's a consequence. Um, and it hurts. But when we repent, 
of that sin and we confess it and we don't cover it up or gloss over it, but we truly repent of that sin, God is full of mercy, full of compassion, and very forgiving. And so we can come to him with our sin. Verse 7, In the day of my trouble I will call upon you, for you will answer me. And so again, that's faith. We all go through days of trouble. And so there are times when we can call upon the Lord and know that he will answer. Verse 9 is looking ahead to a day that we can all look forward to. Verse 9, All nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. Won't that be an amazing day? The closest thing I can think of to what that might be like is every year in Jerusalem at the time of Sukkot, they have the uh, All Nations Parade. It's the Parade of the Nations. And they stage all the different people in a big park and get them lined up and in order. And you have Albania out in the front and Zambia at the rear. And all the nations are in alphabetical order. And the people who have come, you know, six, seven, eight thousand people from all over the nations have come to keep Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, in Jerusalem. And they're all dressed to represent their nation, their country. And then the streets of Jerusalem are lined with the local residents, with the Jewish people. And as the parade begins, it's great high pageantry. There's great banners, there's flags, there's um, people dressed to represent their nation. And, And as the people march through the streets from all the nations to honor Israel, to honor the Jewish people, to honor the God of Israel, and to honor Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. Um, the joy in the air is thick, and the love that is flowing between the Jewish people lining the streets and those who've come to honor them is just amazing, absolutely amazing. People from China, people from Russia, people from uh, Brazil, from Sweden, from Europe, all over the U.S., uh, from all over the nations. It's just really a special, special time. And that's the closest I can think of of what it will be like when all nations will come to worship the Lord and glorify his name. Verse 11 is a great prayer to pray. Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. That is in your Torah. That is in Yeshua. Unite my heart to fear your name. Oh, Father, that is our prayer today. Unite our hearts to fear your name, the name of Yahovah, the name of Yeshua. We love you. We bless you. We thank you for your word. Let's continue on, verse 15. But you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering, and plenteous in mercy and truth. So remembering the nature and the character of God 
is important, especially when we have emotions, and the emotions can sometimes be deceptive. The enemy can get in there into our thoughts and say things like, Oh, God doesn't care about you. God has forgotten you. You've blown it too much now. God can't forgive that one, what you just did. He's going he's gonna to punish you. You're going to get it from him. Just all kinds of lies, lies, lies from the enemy. And, and we have to recognize and discern that the enemy, the primary battle where he operates is in our mind and in our thoughts. That's the battleground where he attacks us. And we renew our mind with the word of God, with truth. And so we fight lies with truth. I like the final verse here. Show me a token for good that they which hate me may see it and be ashamed. Because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. So when someone who who hates you or who doesn't like you, they're not your friend. When they see the blessing of God upon your life, when they see God show favor to you or open a door for you or pour forth a blessing upon your life, then it's a sign and it's a token that the hand of God is resting upon you, that his blessing is resting upon you. And those watching will see that. Now, if it's other believers, they're going to be happy for you. They're going to be very blessed to see God blessing you. But your enemies will be perhaps jealous. But they will also see God is surely with her. God is surely with him. So, um, the final thought I'll share with you. I love the Psalms. They are probably one of my most favorite places in the Bible. And especially if you are emotional. If you have, um, you know... If you're going through difficulties, trials, um, tribulations, the Psalms are like medicine for the soul. Many people will go to the doctor when they're depressed and they'll go get some medication and, you know, just take a happy pill, make you feel better. But I would say, instead of doing that, read five Psalms every day. And read them slowly and really take them in and absorb them. Five Psalms every day. In one month, you'll, you will have gotten through the whole book of Psalms. There's 150 Psalms. And to me, reading the Psalms lifts you up. It affirms you. It, it builds you up. It helps to get you out of the pit of despair and depression and discouragement. So um, this is why I really like this reading schedule where we have a psalm every day. It's the full meal deal. We have some Hebrew scriptures. That's your steak and potatoes. We have the New Testament reading, the Brit, and you could say those are your vegetables. And then we have the Psalms every day. You could say that's your dessert. And the proverb, a couple of verses from Proverbs, that's a little bit of salt little bit of salt, not too much, just a dash of salt. So it's the full meal deal. Have a blessed day and we'll see you tomorrow. Adonai.
Vish Mareka Yaya Adonai Anavilaka Vikuneka Isa Adonai Anav Ileka Vayaseleka Leka The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.